Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Today we're looking at the first six verses, 1 John chapter 4. You can also find that text printed in your bulletin, 1 John 4 verses 1 through 6. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that God's Word is always reliable and it's always relevant. In this text, we find much that speaks to what you and I face some 2,000 years after it was written. Before I read this text, let me pray and ask for the Lord's help. Gracious God, you've told us that all Scripture is breathed out by you and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord, would you sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. That's fake news. Are you familiar with that phrase, fake news? If not, it refers to a concept or information often shared on the internet that is not true. And one of the results of the digital age in which we live is that basically anybody can share basically anything, especially on social media, without really any understanding whether or not it's true. Now, I'm not trying to discern what is fake news and what isn't. This is not some kind of political commentary, just simply an observation that there is a lot of information out there that's not true. And if we're honest, it can be really hard to know what is true. And what is false? And there's been some studies recently that show that a lot of people on social media are guilty of sharing some kind of fake news, some kind of false information, oftentimes not even realizing it. Here in 1 John 4, we find a warning against fake news of sorts. But it has to do with something far more important than American news in 2022. It has to do with matters of eternity. You see, John here tells us to test the spirits. He's warning that there's false teachers out there. We need to be on the lookout. He's calling us to have biblical discernment about what we hear. And he does so by giving us two tests that we can use to discern what is from God and what is not. First, to test the teachers, and secondly, to test the audience. And today our approach in the sermon is going to be just a little bit different than it often is. Normally when I'm preaching, we have application throughout the sermon. 
Um, but today I'm going to save most of that until the end, to basically to put into practice, to show examples of these tests. And I'm doing that to be practical. So don't fall asleep in the first part and just wait for the application at the end. In order to know how to apply these tests, we need to understand them. And so both are very important. So first, test the teachers. Look with me at verse 1. John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice how he begins. Beloved. And then down in verse 4, he refers to his audience, this church to whom he's writing, as little children. And we see a glimpse of his pastoral heart, his gentle spirit, his care for these believers. He loves them. He cares for them. He's writing a pretty stern warning. He's saying, hey, there are false teachers in your midst. But he does so from a place of love and care and concern. He's not harsh. I think you and I would do well to learn from his example. John then says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And this raises the question, well, what are these spirits? Are these demons? Are they people? What in the world is John talking about? Well, to be honest, there's a lot of debate. As I was doing study for the sermon, we found different perspectives on what these spirits, what does that refer to? But it seems that John is saying that there is something behind those who teach. The spirit from God would be none other than the Holy Spirit. Spirits not from God would be from the devil. And these spirits, either the Holy Spirit or spirits from the devil, are at work in those who teach. We can't hear spirits, so when there's a close correlation between the spirits and what they say. That's why John says that many false prophets have gone out into the world. One commentator put it this way. Spirits, here this word, refers to a multiplicity of human beings who may be inspired in their spirit by the spirit of God or the spirit of falsehood. Friends, we must remember that there is a spiritual world that we cannot see. One of the devil's greatest lies is to try to convince you and me that he does not exist. Satan and the forces of evil are real. In John 10.10, Jesus, talking about the devil, calls him a thief, and he says the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. The forces of evil are real. They are strong, and they are at work in false teaching, among other ways. So John commands us to test the spirits. That word test means to examine something or to prove its genuineness. Just the other day, I was in line at the grocery store, and the person in front of me pulled out a $100 bill to pay, and the cashier took out some kind of special marker and drew a line to check and see, is that a real $100 bill or is it counterfeit? Similarly, we are to examine the teaching of those who claim to be from God. In other words, we're not to just blindly accept everything you hear from pastors on TV, from Christian books social media accounts, or even from Barry or me. We're not to just blindly accept what we hear. In verses 2 and 3, John gives us the test that we should use. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. If you've been here for this series, you'll remember that one of John's main emphases, one of his priorities is to give the Christians, the church, assurance of salvation. 
And in one way, this passage is like, well, how does this have to do with assurance? But if you've ever wrestled with teaching, you know, whether this is true or false, you know that that can undermine your assurance of faith very quickly. So he's trying to help them understand and discern truth from error. And from this, we can infer that there are false teachers in this church seeking to lead them astray. What are they teaching? We can't know for sure, but it seems that they were teaching what we now call today is Gnosticism. Now, before you fall asleep, hear me out. What is Gnosticism? It's the belief that there is special insider information that only a select group of people could have. And so you had to be a part of this group, even within the church, to go from like the JV League to the Varsity League. Moreover, it holds that the physical is bad and the spiritual is good, and so God came to release our soul from the physical body. And this led them to teach, among many other things, that Jesus wasn't actually human. He only appeared to be human. Because if the physical is bad, why would God become physical human. So he didn't actually become human, he just appeared. He seemed like it. And John says this belief is heresy. If one denies Jesus has come in the flesh, they're not from God. He calls them a false prophet. John tells us that Jesus has come in the flesh. And that's a reference to the pre-existence of Christ from eternity past, that he has come. Not that he was created, but that he has come. He existed, and then he came. And what we celebrate at Christmas is what we call the incarnation. As John tells us in his gospel, first chapter, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The second person of the Trinity has always existed, and he took on human form in the person of Jesus. And he has kept that human form now. He's in heaven, the human and divine nature. Now we need to be careful here. It's tempting to read this and interpret what John is saying in this test as, hey, as long as someone says Jesus is human, then whatever they say has to be right. But that can't possibly be what he's saying. Why? Because demons can say that. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus interacts with a man with an unclean spirit. In Mark 1.24, it says, And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This man, possessed by a demon, recognized Jesus' identity as human and divine. But surely demons are not teachers from God. So to confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, John is saying, is more than just saying something. To confess can also mean to acknowledge. One scholar put it this way, the word acknowledge indicates an unwavering confession and denotes not mere verbal acknowledgement, but an open and forthright declaration of the message as one's own position. In other words, acknowledging that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is submission to his lordship and agreement with his teaching. Therefore, anyone who teaches something contrary to the vitals of our Christian faith is, to use John's words, a false prophet. This doesn't mean that everything we disagree with is heresy. Disagreement on infant baptism, as an example, does not qualify someone as a heretic. Some things are more wrong than others. 
not the same as denying the humanity or deity of Jesus. These false teachers, John says, have the spirit of the Antichrist. Now don't let that word Antichrist scare you as some end times apocalyptic word. Antichrist, according to John, is just someone who denies the truth of God and teaches falsehood. In that sense, there are many Antichrists, and that's what he is saying here. So we must test the teachers. We must examine what is said. We must be diligent to see if it matches what the Bible says. If not, it is not from God. A good example of this is the conference in Berea in Acts 17. Acts 17.11 says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. We must test the teachers. Not all errors are the same, but some teachings are so dangerous that we must avoid them altogether. The second test regarding discernment John gives is to test the audience. So we test the teachers and then we test the audience. In other words, he says, look at the people who receive the message. That will help you discern whether or not it's from God. Before he spells this out, John gives us a wonderful word of comfort in verse 4. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John tells the believers to whom he's writing that they have overcome the false teachers. Notice he doesn't say that they will overcome. No, this is past tense. They have overcome. And to overcome refers to overcoming in an intellectual sense. They have conquered the lies of the Antichrist. Why? Notice carefully what John says. It's not because anything that they've done, it's not that they're smarter than these false teachers. He says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is that he? It's the Holy Spirit. They have overcome because God has given the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of them. Friends, the same is true for you and me if you are united to Christ by faith. We have overcome the lies of the evil one because of the Holy Spirit. None of this doesn't mean that we will never believe something that is untrue. Sometimes we are led astray and we have to be careful. But the lies won't win the day. John 14, 13, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So the Holy Spirit helps us discern truth from error. He helps us test the recipients of the message. Look at verse 5. John says, they, that is the false prophets, are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. World, in this sense, is not talking about the earth, like the physical earth. World, in this sense, is sinful humanity in rebellion against God. So these teachers, these false teachers, are from the world, and the world listens to them. This means that messages that unbelievers embrace are ones of which that we as Christians should be weary and there's a caveat here. The world agrees that two plus two is four. And so we're not saying that we as Christians should say, no, it's five. To be a little closer to home. The world says that racism is wrong. As Christians, we agree wholeheartedly. 
You see, God in his common grace to all men allows unbelievers the ability to embrace some truth. But what they have accepted and what they believe is either in accordance with the scriptures or it is contrary. Therefore, John tells us to test the audience. If the message is one the world embraces and it's contradictory to the scriptures, then we must reject it. No matter how many people believe it, no matter how eloquent it sounds, no matter how wrong we're told we are. John closes our passage in verse 6 by stating that we, that is the apostles, are from God. And he says that whoever listens, or whoever knows God, listens to us. In other words, the people of God listen to apostolic teaching. Well, there aren't apostles today, for apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus. So where do we find apostolic teaching? It's in the scriptures. It's in the Bible alone. So those who don't listen to Scripture have either wandered from God or have to ask themselves if they know God at all. The Apostle Paul says something along these same lines in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, where he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Therefore, we must test the audience. We must have spiritual discernment. So we've seen the two tests John gives us. Test the teachers and test the audience. And perhaps you're thinking, John, this sounds great in theory, but what does it look like? And that's why with the remainder of our time, I want to give you three practical examples of basically applying these tests so that you can understand what John is getting at. First, let's imagine you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon and the doorbell rings. You get up from watching your favorite college football game and you answer it. You find two young men there. And they ask you if they can talk to you about Jesus. Reluctantly, you're like, okay, I really like to watch the football game, but I guess I'll talk to you on the porch for a few minutes. And you come to find out they're Jehovah's Witnesses. After saying you're a Christian, they say, well, so are we. Let's talk. You know, you've heard a few things about Jehovah's Witnesses in the past, but you're like, I just really don't remember much at all. The guys sound smart. They're using the same words you've heard here at First ARP. How should you think about them? Well, let's apply our test. Test the teacher. Remember, John says that anyone who says that Jesus has not come in the flesh is not from God. So you ask, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, yes, of course, we believe that. And then you ask if they believe that Jesus has always existed. Well, no, he's the first created being. There you go. You've tested the teacher and found that they failed the test. Cannot be from God. Now, that one's fairly straightforward, but let's make it a little bit more challenging. One night, you're surfing channels on TV, and you come across a guy standing on a stage talking to a large audience. You think it's a comedian, so you stop and listen, only to find out it's a TV preacher. You're like, I don't normally watch TV preachers, but you decide to listen just for the sake of doing it. The guy sounds really good. He's intelligent. 
He's very articulate, and he tells some really good stories. He reads some Bible verses and uses words you've heard in sermons here at First ARP from Barry or from me. Everything's good, right? Well, then he starts talking about suffering. He starts talking about the trials of life. You nod your head, you're like, yeah, I can relate to that. Then he says that this isn't what God desires for you. Your brow furrows a little bit, but you kind of like the sound of what he's saying. Then he says that God, what God wants for you is better than what you could ever imagine. He reads a verse from 1 Corinthians that seems to back up what he's saying. He goes on to say that what your problem is is your faith. If you have faith, things will get better. In fact, he says that God has so many blessings in store for you that he just can't wait to pour out upon you. All you have to do is get your lack of faith out of the way. And if you claim these blessings, they will come your way. Prosperity will be yours. Financial wealth will be yours. And all your problems will go away. What should you think? How should you be discerning? Well, let's apply our tests. Let's test the teacher. Does this pastor say that Jesus has come in the flesh? Well, yeah, he claims that. But let's take it a step further. Has he surrendered to the lordship of Christ and is his teaching consistent with Scripture? Well, we don't know the state of his soul. That's not for us to judge. But we can certainly check his teaching against Scripture. John 16, Jesus says, In this world you will face tribulation. And then in Philippians 1, Paul says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Let's test the audience. Who receives this message that God wants to just give us lots of blessings in life and take away all of our problems? That's a message the world would love if they believe in God at all. So this prosperity gospel message fails the test, both of them, testing the teacher and the audience. It's not from God. Let's do one more example, and this one's going to be the hardest Let's imagine you have a good friend. She's a good person. She goes to church. You've been to Bible studies together. You care about this person. And one day you're talking, she says, hey, our pastor preached this really good sermon talking about some cultural issues. Uh, and he's got a kind of a new perspective from the Bible. I really think you should listen to it. You're a little unsure, but you decide to listen. The pastor preaches from Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And he takes this passage to basically say that the Bible is fine with homosexuality and transgenderism. Because we're all one in Christ. He speaks eloquently. He's got a lot of material to back up what he says. How do you think about this? Well, let's test it out. Does the pastor confess that Jesus has come in the flesh? Well, as far as we know, yes. But remember, confessing doesn't just mean verbal assent, but submission to the teaching of Christ. Well, what does Scripture say? Well, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, and 1 Timothy 1 are pretty clear about the Bible's position on gender and sexuality. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Let's test the audience. Is this a message the world embraces? Absolutely. This is the growing norm in our society. But John, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. How can you make these claims? Jesus doesn't mean don't be discerning. He means don't pass judgment without first looking at your own heart. Friends, this is tough. And I'm not naive enough to think that we all agree on this. But this is not a political issue. This is a gospel issue. We cannot compromise on the truth of Scripture. Brothers and sisters, it is not loving to call evil good and good evil. Are we, lo- are we called to love people? Absolutely. But we love them enough to tell them the truth and point them to the God of hope. As we close, we're called to be discerning. We must test the spirits, test the teacher, test the audience. And remember, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Perhaps you're here today and you realize that maybe knowingly or unknowingly you've embraced some kind of false teaching that isn't from God. Repent of that. God is a God of grace and forgiveness. Maybe you realize that you've never trusted Christ. If so, turn to him and trust Jesus today. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. We are all big sinners in need of a big Savior. For all of us, pray for discernment. The state of your soul very well may be at stake. Let us pray.